You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul notes the unmissable parallel between Genesis chapter 22 and chapter 26. As always, it's only unmissable, he explains, when you hear Genesis in the original Hebrew. It is always a pleasure to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Genesis 22.18, stressing the obedience of Abraham to God's voice, is heard again in chapter 26, when the same promise of blessing is addressed to him, and here, the address is to Isaac, not Abraham. I will multiply your descendants, 26.4, as the stars of heaven, and we give to your descendants all these lands, and your descendants of all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves. It's a repetition of the promise to Abraham. Because, verse 5, Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. It's unmissable. In both cases, the reason is repeated. And here, if you like, in more detail, my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, and we'll get back to that. So one more time, it is not a passing thing. And I need to take the opportunity here to invite the people not to misread or mishear Paul and make him come to us through the voice of Martin Luther of Germany. Although if one would hear the total Martin Luther, one would realize that he was not as the Lutherans present him, because he said that one of the aspects of the will of God is to do what he asks us to do. <laughs> okay, so anyway, I don't want to make fun of anyone. You know, I usually criticize my own family, the Orthodox Church, before anyone else, because that's the biblical approach. But all this doesn't matter. It matters only because we live with it and we assume it. That Abraham was saved by faith and not by actions. And let me go on a tangent here. The most impressive commentator on Galatians, before me, of course, is Betts. And he said, we have to be very careful regarding the works because this would apply to the faith when you make it your faith and thus it's your work and this is 
bets. Let me repeat. Bets. I've never read this anywhere else except in this book. Okay. So very important to understand, and I touched upon this on a previous podcast about the Afar and so on. And it's very strange, not to our practical life, but it's very strange to our mental, platonic, philosophical approach to life. Like notice, a woman philosopher does not behave in the same way when she's cooking in the kitchen and when she's sitting as a bourgeois in the salon. That's why the famous bourgeois did not cook. They just talked. And thus are our theologians. I remember myself, I go to seminary and there was a sign there, everybody has to pay for lunch, you know, because sometimes you have visitors and you know, except the professors on the days when they are teaching and it would be good for them to sit with the students. Father Paul Laser, you're always in my heart. <laughs> there is a nuance, they do not say any time because the professors live on campus. Now he said, Father Paul, we allow him, even if not teaching, because he's not on campus, but you know what I understand. But the others, they have to eat at home, otherwise they have to pay. Now Bill Mills is dear to my heart because he was a student in the master's program and the cook at St. Mills. Now that makes him very special. Okay, so please let's be serious about my jokes. Very important. Abraham did not offer his son and Jesus did not offer himself. Jesus obeyed the will of God to offer himself. Because remember in Gethsemane he had the choice to refuse that's what theology theology makes it sound that in Gethsemane Jesus was debating whether to obey God or to offer himself out of himself no that was not the text is speaking about my will and thy will you know the precision of the New Testament is amazing if you discard it from theology very precise and that is what we're talking about here and on purpose I took my time on it because you have obeyed and the call of the voice will become very important in Jeremiah as I already said in Genesis 3 that Adam did not hear the sound of the footsteps of God he heard the voice, the call of God, and I discussed that. He was coming to judge him. So, very important. And notice, three times, your only son, your only son, your only son. It is through him that the blessing will go, and then God is asking you to die. Now, you go to the New Testament and try to understand the so-called sacrifice of Jesus. Again, Paul uses 
that he sacrificed himself. All I'm saying is that what he meant to say is that it is through obedience from the writings of Paul himself. So it's not a question that you choose a sentence and you make your comments on it. You have to understand it functionally. It's the obedience, and that is captured in the famous passage of Philippians. Obedience. And the proof is that Paul says, therefore, remember, he gives Jesus as an example to us, and then he says, therefore, you also be obedient in my absence, because he was about to die, as you are in my presence, because it is God that wills in you the decision and the work to do his will. I mean, it's unbeatable, this passage. Anyway, that was a long aside, but I believe it's worth our while. So Abraham returned to his young men. Again, it's the same word, his lads. Isaac is not made special. He's a lad, among other lads. But for Abraham, he's functionally special. And they arose and went together to Beersheba, very important, that place where Abraham settles among the Philistines, which is going to reappear again in the same chapter 26 that I just quoted regarding the obedience of Abraham to the voice of God, where the story of Isaac will bring us back. So one more time, these two chapters, 22 and 26, are very much interlocked. Because in between you have the story of the wedding of Isaac and so on and so forth. But when Isaac appears again in the same position as Abraham, facing the blessing of God, we have the interconnection between these two chapters. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Very important. This is where he settled, if you like. Now, in this case, we have Yesheb from the verb Yashab, to settle. But again, because the two texts are interconnected, the Yashab in scripture is ultimately a Yashab the way a flock Yashab, which means gur, you just keep moving in the desert. In other words, like a denizen of the desert, which is very funny. Usually a denizen is like an owl, you know, in a house, in one place. And that play is very important in the desert, not only the lamb. And that's very important for me to keep repeating. Not even the shepherd, who is the alpha and the omega of everything and everyone, does not own his dwelling. That is why it is always perceived by him as a gift, as an inheritance. And that's why I cannot accept that in a grammar book, Yarash is given in English. I was stunned when I read that. 
it's very dangerous. You're dismantling the Bible. And imagine in a grammar, because a student, if I'm not teaching, is going to remember that Yarash means to possess. And I'm saying it's not allowed. One more time, I'm not saying here in 22 that we have the same verb as we hear in 26, where Isaac sojourn as a stranger sojourns. And it's doubled there very clearly because you have the verb follow by a location whose name is built up on gur, like in English. You hear that Isaac, let's go to it since we're speaking about it now. 26.2, and the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, dwell Shokon, which is much more powerful than Yashab. Yashab is to stay. Shakan means technically to stay in a made-up place, which is originally the tent. Shekinah, you know, in Hebrew, and then Skini in Greek, and so on. And then it was applied to the building. But let's, let's take our time on that. Yashab is to stay in one place. It's a general. Okay? Shakan has the connotation of settling for some time. If you're moving, you're gonna, not going to set up a tent. You set it for some time, either overnight or two, three days, and so on. And then the building, you have Shakan. So you have Yashab, that's why it's used to speak about a land, in a general land or a nation, Yashab. Okay. Shakan is more specific, but Gur is to be like a passing person. Now notice the Hebrew, what it does. It says about Abraham in 21, see again this connection between the chapters. Already before 22, we hear in 20 verse 1, why Yeshib ben Kadosh uben Shur, he dwelt between Kadosh and Shur. Wayagor Bigrar, and he resided in Gerar. It's like with the case of Cain, where he was exiled in the land of Nod, and Nod is from the verb nad, is to be a wanderer. Here, the name of the place, 
is called Gerar. So already the text in chapter 20 is preparing you to understand the verb Yashab as not so much that you settle. Now, in chapter 26, we have a more powerful push. The Yashab in 20 and 22 is transformed into Shakan, which means inner residence. But that immediately after that, the command of God in 26.3, sojourn in this land, gur ba'aretz hazoth. It's under the command of God that you have to settle as a ger. And we spoke enough about the stranger, how you have to deal with the stranger because you were a stranger in Egypt. Which means ultimately you have to deal with every land and you, as you felt in Egypt. But it's not an invitation as the Jews and the Christians made it for you to go to possess your supposed land because you inherit it. But it's a gift of God, remember the inheritance, for you to continue doing what God wants you to do. In other words, to obey his voice. And if you don't, he's going to push you to a new Egypt. This is what the Europeans realize when they left Europe from under persecution to come to North America and South America and South Africa, they got stuck there in the same situation. They repeated the history. Why? Because they enacted possession over the gift of inheritance. Just to make it functional, we need to talk like that, especially nowadays. All over the world, and I'm not talking about the Middle East and Palestine, it's all over the world. Notice what the Christians did in South Africa and North America. They considered the Aborigines as being the Canaanites, and it's written in their writing, in their approach. But they missed the Gur, and they stuck with the Yashab even more with understanding inheritance as a possession. So if I keep repeating this, it's because it's a big calamity. It's a big calamity. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.